it's time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Good to have you with us this Friday, December 29th, 2023. Is all, I'm going to do like every other TV show does. I can't believe how fast the year went by. Well, it's almost over. And it's almost over for us on the Sports Wrap. As it relates to the streaming vodcast-only version of the show, we head to TV beginning on Monday, January 1st. We are so excited. I can't tell you how excited we are uh, with the move to television. The show will still be available by podcast and vodcast wherever you get it, whether it's Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, any other place uh, that you consume this show. But we are moving to TV Different times, different stations, different channels, different networks around the country. We'll talk more about that um, a little later on in the show. But I want to start things out in the NFL. Oh, I want to start things out in the NFL. It's so hard for me to watch this game last night between Cleveland and the Jets. And if you're a Jets fan, it has to be so hard for you to watch this game last night between these two teams. Because you're literally watching a Jets team with Trevor Simeon at quarterback, who when Aaron Rodgers went down, could have picked up the phone and called the Joe Flacco, who was on the opposing team, whooping it up on him last night to the tune of 280-plus yards in the first half of an eventual blowout win. Think about that for a moment. Wrap your head around this if you're Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, a Jets fan. This idea that you could have had this version of Joe Flacco. Now, I'm not saying the Jets would be 11-5 and if Joe Flacco had been the quarterback. Because I think that is folly. Because as we found out, this Jets roster is far more flawed than just missing Aaron Rodgers. But think about the tone for the season and how this organization could have shifted from an Aaron Rodgers much more easily to a Joe Flacco as opposed to a Zach Wilson or a Timmy Boyle or a a Trevor Simeon. And I will say this again, and there's been a lot of criticism for Aaron Rodgers this week. I know uh, Nick Wright on Fox Sports went after him the other day about his vaccine stuff and all that. And we've, we've talked about that ad nauseum. We know what Aaron Rodgers is at this point. So none of us should be surprised of what Aaron Rodgers is at this point. But I think the one thing that goes overlooked in all of this, Jets, Michigas, Aaron Rodgers, Michigas, is the fact that the reason Joe Flacco isn't on that roster is because Joe Flacco's won as many Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers has. And Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to compete with that. Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to let the spotlight be consumed by somebody other than him. Vis-a-vis everything we've heard all year about him saying, I'm coming back to play, I want to come back and play, and then saying it wasn't realistic to come back and play this year after all. Because it has to always be about Aaron Rodgers. And the Jets are being held hostage by the whims of this guy. And it's just typical of the Jets. They're letting the tail wag the dog. 
And now you're talking about an organization with another lost season that probably could have been a playoff team if they had gone and actually gotten a competent veteran quarterback as opposed to the garbage they ran out there this year. We say hello to Sam Yarnell, who is deep in prayer, or he's just holding his hands together for some weird reason that I don't know. Jason, I'm pensive because, and I texted with you last night about this. I've come to a realization with the Jets. Well, I thought you were going to come to a realization that I was right about everything I said about Joe Flacco from day one. Definitely. Proved that to you with my bet slip last night. As I told you, went to the Jason Page School of Gambling, took all the overs on Joe Flacco in primetime against his former team, and we hit it big time. Thank you very much. Anyway, my point about the Jets, I've said this since before the season started. I've said it since Aaron Rodgers got injured, and I said it since Zach Wilson got benched. Robert Sala needs to be on the hot seat. There is a serious conversation that needs to be had about his ability to coach an NFL football team because, quite frankly, he prides himself on his defense and then gives up 37 points to a Cleveland Browns team led by 40-year-old Joe Flacco, who didn't have their best receiver in Amari Cooper and didn't have their second best receiver in uh, Elijah Moore for the be- for more than half the game. That's an abomination. You can't abomination. do that. I don't care. I don't care if the Browns are a playoff team. I don't care if the Browns have the most explosive offense in the AFC. The way that Robert Sala has built himself up to be a defensive coach with the defensive all-stars on that team, all pros, Quinn and Williams, Sauce Gardner, D- DJ Reed looks really good as a young player on that defense. And what did they do? They let the Cleveland Browns offense led by Jerome Ford, Joe Flacco, and one half of Elijah Moore. Oh, and David and Joku in year what? Dude, Eleven in the don't league. Don't knock the Joku thing. Paying thirty-seven points. Flacco's I'm just unlocked him. I know. I, I get. I get it. Uh, but Flacco's unlocked him. He's found the cheat code to unlock the David and Joku player that I thought when the kid came into the league from Miami could be this kind of tight end. I said it from day one when they drafted this guy out of Miami that he had the physical ability to be a special tight end. And it's just amazing that it took this quarterback to be the one to to unlock his ability. And let me just say one other thing. Not that this is something to consider, but I'll say this anyway. It just goes to show that for all the glitz and flash and guys that can run around the pocket and extend plays with their legs and play schoolyard football, you know what can still win? In the NFL, and this is a, as an old guy, as, as an old frumpy guy, you know what could still win? Guy with a guy with a, with a great spiral. arm, confidence, pocket presence, yep. a winning pedigree, totally, and a couple of those things you don't get from watching film. And that game last night featured Trevor Simeon and Joe Flacco. And remember, Jets fans, you could have had the latter and you didn't it's remarkable really is um i told each and every one of you this team could make a deep and potentially impactful run if flacco was the quarterback i don't do the big i told you so but this one i'm doing it i told you so sam will rejoin us in a couple of minutes kurt healan's coming up on the other side get some thoughts with him on the nba pistons stink 
So do the Warriors. We're coming back. Sports Wrap continues on this Monday. We'll get back to the NFL in a bit. Final dress rehearsal show. The final show we're doing before we hit TV on Monday. And if the guest we have on right now looks familiar on Monday, it's because he's doing it now and he's doing it on Monday. He will be the first ever guest on the TV version of the Sports Wrap. He is our good friend, Kurt Heelan, who hangs out with us on the program today. And Kurt, first of all, thank you for doing Monday's show because it is New Year's Day. And there are not a lot of people that want to do anything on New Year's Day except recover from the hangover. So I figured it was I figured it was going to be difficult to get anybody on. So I appreciate you in advance um, for doing the show on, on Monday. Well, look, the, the advantage to being me is as hungover as I am almost certain to be, my hair is going to look fine. So I can just kind of roll out of bed and do it. And I, I can't promise scintillating conversation, but I'll be there for you, man. So that's, that's that's all I could ask for. Um, look, the Pistons have lost 28 games in a row. It's just, it's it's unfathomable that, that this team could be this bad, but they are. And I, I went on a rant a week or two ago and I said, look, 
I think fans are just as much to blame for this as an organization is. Because if fans don't show up to the tune of 91% of capacity, what what impetus is there for Tom Gore to change anything he's doing? If you feel like you have to win and have to do that to have fans show up on a regular basis, you do things like, I don't know, trade for Blake Griffin past his prime mm. and, and start this whole... I mean, part of where they are was that ill-advised move at the time and the spirals that come out of, of, of what they gave up and, and how it's going to take them longer to rebuild because of it. Like you just, uh, Toronto's going through this now, probably like they're a year too late. I don't, not that they're going to spiral like this because they got Scotty Barnes already, but you're better. To, what's the old branch Ricky thing? Better to be a year early than a year late with these kind of, of rebuilds. You've got to do it. Um, that said, the thing that's killing it is they're finally playing hard. Like they played hard against Brooklyn. They played, and, and there were points in this streak where, man, they just rolled over. They, they, you'd see the other team go on the inevitable NBA run, and they'd just be like, "Oh, here it comes." And you could see the body language. They're fighting now. They're trying, and it's still not enough because they've got five NBA players on that roster. Well, we're going to talk about the Rockets in the next segment, but we saw the Rockets get a new head coach in Ime Udoka. Yeah. And all of a sudden, things are starting to turn there. They went and got Fred Van Vliet. Um, you know, during the offseason, they made they made some moves. And we've obviously seen some improvement. You know, Dylan Brooks, we've started to see some improvement um, in that organization. What's it going to take for the Pistons to be able to have that sort of turn? They were both equally as bad as one another last year. What the Pistons did, I there was a it was a significant coaching upgrade. Nobody nobody likes to speak poorly of every look. Everybody likes Silas, but it was this was a significant coaching upgrade. Um, where that's not it wasn't nearly as dramatic in in Houston. But the other part of that is look, Fred Van Fleet is a rock solid NBA player. There's they have good young players. And they look they got the advantage of Alperin Sangoon making a leap this year. He might be your most improved player come the end of the year. Um, but Dylan Brooks gives, there's just solid guys in the roster. I went through it this morning with somebody. There's five guys I would keep off this Pistons roster or, or consider somebody like Bogdanovich, who is a solid NBA player and they might want to trade him for future assets, but there's five to six of those guys. And then it's just Alec Burks. You're giving him heavy minutes at the end of the game. He's not that good anymore. He's just there. This really, to me, starts and ends with the front office and then pressure maybe from ownership to, and, and off that the fans to, to build this. But to me, it's, you've just got to make, they have missed on drafts outside of Cade. They have missed on free agents and they've just, I'm not sure what they're trying to do. I am like Houston. You can see a path forward. The, the Spurs are avoiding the spotlight right now. They're awful. They're, they're hard to watch, but you can actually see the path forward because when Biamba is, I mean, they lucked into him, but he is special. And you can see, like, hey, with him in Fasel, like, you can see the path forward, even if they're learning hard lessons now. Jason, what is the Pistons' path forward? I don't know. That's And that's what that's what I was trying to get at with the with the last question. Uh, speaking of maybe a year too late and getting rid of, you know, assets a year too late, it takes me to the Warriors. And I said it last year, they should have started gutting this thing after last year. The signs were there. 
and yep. and they decided to take one more go at it. They're a game under 500. I think they're 15 and 16 now after the loss on um, uh, Thursday night to the to the Heat, who are playing without Jimmy Butler, <laughs> who are playing without Kyle Lowry. Yeah, how much worse could this get for the Warriors? <sighs> Only so much worse because they still have Stephen Curry. And what happens is last night against the Warriors, who like, hey, let's go find Jaime, ha- Jaime Jaquez and turn him into something. <laughs> like, Dude, that not know. for nothing, though. That guy looked good. That guy <laughs> well, can play. Good. Hey, and not, not to go on a side tangent, but he is the future in this sense around the NBA. You're going to see more teams, especially contending teams like the Heat, go after third and four-year guys who can come in and help instantly on rookie contracts because the new CBA, the way it's set up, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have, you got to pay your big guys, pay, pay your stars and then find guys like that. And nobody's really better at that than the heat. The Warriors have, they got Pazemski. Like they've made some, like they, you know, they've developed Kuminga into something, but they missed on Moody and the big miss obviously was Wiseman. That started them down a, the, the the horrid two two timelines path. There was always one timeline. There's Steph Curry's timeline. That is the only timeline that matters. And by the way, what the future for them is, Jason, is what Steph Curry want. Like if he really wants them to re-sign Clay and keep running it with this core, they are going to re-sign Clay and really? keep running it with this core. Ugh. Yeah. And I don't I don't know that that's what he wants. Reality may be smacking him in the face because right now if he's average like he was last night, where he's just as a 15 point okay night, they're they're not beating anybody. Like he has no. to be magical, and he's been enough for them to be hanging around five hundred. But he has to be that good. He has to be top ten player in the league every night for them to have a chance. Uh, I'll finish the thought on the Warriors uh, on the other side because obviously there's going to be a return for Draymond Green at some point, and we'll have to get a sense for what this franchise looks like uh, when that return occurs. Hanging out with Kurt Hanlon on the show on this Friday edition of the Sports Wrap, our final non-TV version of the show. Uh, We'll get some thoughts with him on a couple other items, including some comments from Allen Iverson that got my attention on the GOAT conversation, and one of the good surprises in the NBA this year. That's coming up.
Sports Wrap continues on this Friday. Still to come, Paige versus the Prince. And we got a surprise announcement. I don't know if Sam's going to like it. We got a surprise announcement for something we're going to do for the NFL postseason that's going to be fun. Uh, Something to consider. Wander Franco is the topic. Uh, Odds and ends. Russell Wilson, a whole bunch still to do on this Friday edition of the program. Continuing the conversation with Kurt Halen, who does a great job. Pro basketball talk at NBCSports.com is his jam. He's hanging out with us on the program today. Just to wrap it up on the Warriors here, Draymond's going to come back. Does he go to the bench? And it almost feels like that's almost a better role from him to get the burst of of energy that you can get from him and play some of these younger guys. I like Podzinski. I do too. Um, Their problem is just defensively. That means you're starting Looney and Looney's another. Looney is in the clay category of just past past what he was at his peak. And defensively, it really hurts them. Draymond, for all his flaws, is still an all-NBA level defender. So I don't know that they can do that. Ultimately, I think they're going to have to play a lot of Draymond. And and Draymond and Clay, I'm sorry, Draymond and Steph together are just more than the sum of the parts. They just, they just click. Uh, Move to the Rockets here. Now we talked about all the bad stories and, and disappointments. Yeah. I mean, the, could anybody have anticipated that the Rockets were going to be this, this quick with no. Ime Udoka? And are they are they becoming the Thunder from last year? Well, I don't know that they ultimately have that upside. Um, the, the Thunder of a year ago had the, the you could see, it's been faster than we expected, but we, you could see this path because of how good Shea was and they were getting Chet. I think there's much more of a ceiling on the Rockets, but they are a study in how to make your team. They didn't want to lose anymore. They wanted a three-year down cycle and then to start talking postseason and being in there. They went and got solid veterans who fill a need, right? And Fred Van Vliet is a as good a floor general as there is in the league in a lot of ways. Um, how much Dylan of Brooks this? Gives them how much defense they how, needed? How much of this is Ime Udoka's influence? A lot of it, like his. Okay defensive mindset and bringing in an intensity. And then they've had, look, like I said before, Alperen Shingun has made a huge leap. He might be their second best offensive player. Like he's critical for them. They can run stuff through him. Jabari Smith Jr. has made a step forward. He's knocking down. Like he is turning into a guy who looks like he should be a top handful pick, right? Jalen Green is still the question. What are you going to do with him? Is he ultimately a sixth man? They've got stuff to figure out. I don't think their ceiling is as high as OKC's. But if you're going to stop losing and turn, like, all right, time to turn this ship around and win some games and be at least solid, this is exactly how you get there. Yeah, and they, like I said, I mean, all of a sudden you look around, and I've only seen a couple of their games. You know, they've got some guys that can put the ball in the basket. And, yeah, exactly. And, and there really is a lot of improvement there. Uh, real quick before I get to this Allen Iverson stuff, how much do you start to worry? You know, we talked about the Warriors. When do you get to a point with Phoenix where you start to have the same concerns? Oh, we're past that. <laughs> we're past that moment, man. <laughs> it, is, it is time to worry about the Phoenix Suns. We, I know we haven't seen the big three together, but the issues are – the depth around them and the, which is the what we all saw events. in the off season. Yes. In the off season, we all said this great. You got this great three. You have nobody to put around them. If we could all see that coming, how does an organization not see that coming? Uh, this was or an ownership driven, ownership driven decisions. Um, they wanted the stars. They wanted the big names. They thought those three could overwhelm everything else if they could just get solid play everywhere else. Um, and they haven't gotten a. They haven't gotten those three, but also, even if they do, uh, it will not be able to mask 
Yusuf Nurkic is Yusuf Nurkic at this point in his career for a while, unless you've got a DeLorean with a flux capacitor in the back. Like, he's, this is what you get, man. Fair enough. Uh, Alan Iverson was a guest of Rachel Nichols on her uh, new show over on Showtime. It's uh, called Headliners, I believe. And I always love getting the perspective of the greats on the greats. And Alan Iverson is obviously one of the greats of the game. Um no matter what you think of, you know, the off the court stuff or how it ended late in his career and all that stuff. He's one of the all time greats. And she asked him a question about Kobe Bryant. And in talking about Kobe, he gave a bit of a revelation of what he thinks when it comes to the conversation on goats. I want you to take a listen and, and respond on the other side. Like him, but Mike, that's it. Like when people talk about, you know, your favorite players and, and the, or the best players in the world, you know, I say Mike, and I say Kobe. You know what I mean? And then everybody else. LeBron's after that for you? Um, definitely. Okay. Definitely after that. All right, Kurt, what do you make of it? First off, those are very Iverson guys, right? The guys who maximized what they could physically, not that LeBron hasn't, but physically maximized what they could get out of themselves, put in the work, played with, an unbelievable amount of, of not very like on your sleeve intensity, right. Where LeBron's a little more low key than that. Um, I'll say this, say this, I feel like the goat gener debate is somewhat generational. Isn't it like there's a younger generation that puts LeBron there because that's what they've seen. And Mike is YouTube highlights and people who grew up seeing Mike see Mike that way. And then there's an older generation who are like, Hey, why aren't we talking about Kareem? <laughs> like, have you seen the resume? Um, I think we're lucky. So I think, I think I, but I think you and I are lucky because we're right in that yes. middle age. Yeah. Like, I got the uh, the end of Bird and Magic. Um, yeah. You know, pre pre HIV diagnosis for Magic. Like, I got the end of that, and then you know, I got Barkley and 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 all of those guys, and then obviously the Jordan era and 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 the guys that played in that era, and so many great players. Um, that were denied championships because of him. Um, and I've gotten to see LeBron, peak LeBron, you know, from start to finish. So I feel like you and I, because we're of, we're of a similar age, I think we're so lucky to have, to have sort of lived in this yeah. era where we got to see a lot of the greatest that the NBA has had to offer. Yeah, and I, it, it, I'll be honest with you, bias is my view to agree. I never saw peak Michael Jordan in person. Um, I did see him a little a couple times in person, but I wasn't covering the league. I saw a lot of peak LeBron. And so that impacts how I view things. I saw, well, by the way, I would put peak LeBron as Miami LeBron. I think that that to me was the gift of his physicality was still at his peak. And even though he's mentally a smarter player now, but if I only have about smart the, I, enough, man, I, I only have about 20 seconds here. So it, it, is it Jordan one LeBron two for you? I prefer tears, but I would put LeBron one, Jordan two. Wow. Wow. I, and I got to be honest, I'm of a similar mindset to you on this. Not to be, you know, in, in agreement just for the sake of it. I'm actually kind of there with you. And I saw them both at their peak. Again, we're somewhat prisoner of the moment. Kurt will continue the conversation on Monday when you join us for the yep. premiere of the TV show. Thank you, my friend. That's good. I'm looking forward to it, man. All right. We're coming back. More of the sports rep to do.
Sports Wrap continues on this Friday, our final Friday show before moving to television on New Year's Day. What's New Year's Day all about? The big bowl games and the TV launch of Sports Wrap. Of course. You'll always remember it, that's for sure. Thanks to Kurt Halen for hanging out with us. And again, he will be on the uh, TV debut on Monday. Appreciate him hanging out with us uh, for that show. Uh, Bill Bender on the show next week on Tuesday following the uh, championship or semifinal games for the college football playoff. Nick Ferguson will be on the show next week. Uh, week two of the show, Patrick McEnroe is going to hang out with us to preview the Australian Open. I'm looking forward to that. But... It is that time of the show on a Friday. One of my favorite things we do. Oh, it's time for Paige versus the Prince. And we say hello to our friend Sam Yarnell once again. I was 0-4 last week. I sucked. What can I what can I say? I had a really, really bad week. I was 0-4. You're gonna throw up a clunker every now and then. You know, if you're going to be happy with the three and ones and the four and O's, sometimes, you know, the two O and twos, I was on a great run. It was bound to end at some point. Regression to the mean, law of averages, whatever you want to say. What did you do last week, Sam? Getting cold at the wrong time, are we, Jason? That's I was true. three and one last week. I Good week for you. Remained you got in off the that positive two and on two. this hot streak. Yeah. I was cold at the right time. You've gotten cold at the wrong time. Ah. But luckily... We're always given winners because when one of us is down, the other one's always up. We never have two bad weeks. The listeners of this show, they always Mm -hmm. make money. All right. You got four picks for me? Go. All right. We'll start it off in Dallas, Detroit. Yeah, we're taking the over. There's going to be a lot of points in this game. I love both of these offenses. I think this game probably turns into a blowout. I really don't think Dallas or I don't think Detroit can compete with Dallas, uh, especially on an indoor environment. I know Jared Goff's an indoor cat, but we talked about this after the Bills game. Dak Prescott 10 times the indoor cat that Jared Goff is. I think he might throw for 500 yards in this game. Give me the over 52 and a half. I've got the over 50 and a half in my bet slip from a couple of weeks ago, but I know you can't take that. You can't get CLV like the Prince of Picks. So you're taking 52 and a half and I'll ride on it with you. So 52 and a half go over in Dallas and Detroit. All right, next, we're going to go with another total. We're going to go Baltimore and Miami over 46 and a half. Same kind of logic here. Both of these offenses are electric. I'm expecting points because really warning points in this game is how it's going to be fun watching them. If you're rooting for the under in this game, you're just not going to have a good time watching it. And I'm about having a good time. So we're going to have another good time over in the over 46 and a half in in the uh, Baltimore-Miami game. That game's actually in Baltimore, so it's Miami and Baltimore. Next, we'll get to the sides now. Atlanta, this is a missed line. Atlanta's getting three in Chicago. I still don't think the Bears are good enough to be a favorite against really anybody except for the Carolina Panthers. Give me the Falcons getting points in Chicago, getting plus three uh, against the Bears this weekend. And finally, Another missed line, in my opinion. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers should not only be laying two and a half to the New Orleans Saints. I get the games in New Orleans, and the Saints are really good historically against the Buccaneers, but that doesn't account for the fact that the Saints are an absolute train wreck right now, and I don't see that changing anytime in the next uh, two days. So give me the Atlanta, or I'm sorry, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus the two and a half against the uh, New Orleans Saints. I think they win this game by a touchdown easily. Again, over 52 and a half in Detroit and 
Dallas over 46 and a half in Baltimore, Miami. Give me the Falcons getting a field goal in Chicago. And finally, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers laying two and a half points on the road in New Orleans. That's my four pack of picks this week, Jason. All right, Sam, I only disagree with one. If I have time on the back end, uh, I'll tell you which one I I really disagree with. But let's start uh, things out for me in a bounce back week, hopefully, Uh, with the Cowboys and Detroit Lions. Dallas at home, minus four and a half. I love them. Uh, This feels like a fall asleep at the wheel game for Detroit. The highest of the highs with the division win uh, last week, the division title, wrapping that up. I think they go into Dallas and lay a stinker. I think it could be a blowout. But where I disagree with Sam is I don't like the total. I'm going to take the Cowboys minus four and a half, but I would shy you away or push you away from that over 52 and a half. I could see 37-10. I could see 30 to 14. Um, We know what Jared Goff is on the road. We know what the Cowboys are at home. 52 and a half is a lot of points. Uh, Give me the Cowboys minus four and a half. The Ravens at home against the Dolphins. This is easy. I hate to say it, but it's Baltimore minus three and a half. I'd take it minus four and a half. I'd take it minus five and a half. I'd be shocked if they didn't win by at least a touchdown. We know what Miami has been this year against good teams. Dallas and the win against them notwithstanding, this team has not had a lot of good wins and especially good road wins. Now they're going to go into Baltimore, a Baltimore team that still has to play. They can't rest on their laurels because they'd still have, you know, Cleveland sort of nipping at their heels. So if you're Baltimore, you've got to play for something. Um, And you've got Lamar Jackson now playing for a potential MVP in this big bounce back year for him off the injury last year. Give me the Ravens minus three and a half. Quickly, Pats and Bills in Buffalo under 40 and a half. Is there any other pick here? You know that New England's not scoring any points. Buffalo's offense isn't tearing up the town. I'll take the uh, under in that game under 40 and a half. And give me the Commanders plus 14. Jason Page loves his home dogs. 14 points. Jacoby Brissett, we've seen what he's done in his limited time on the field. I'm going with I'm going with him. Going with the Commanders plus news. 14. What are you going to tell me? He's not starting? He just popped up on the injury report. Sam Howell might be starting. Still taking the Commanders plus 14. Ooh! On the table! Still taking. Something to consider. It involves Wander Franco. And it's next. Don't go anywhere.
Sports Wrap rolls along on this Friday. Odds and ends right around the corner. Involves Russell Wilson. And a guy who is devoted to one particular fast food chain. I don't know. Is it fast food? Maybe it is. I don't know. Get to that coming up in a few minutes. But something to consider on this Friday. And it involves Wander Franco. Look, um, I, I say this as somebody that's followed Wander Franco's, you know, short minor league career and obviously what he did in the majors because as a baseball card collector, we all went all in on Wander Franco. It's Franco. Make sure you get it right, Jason. Dwayne Stats always says, Wander Franco. Well, he probably won't be saying that much more because Wander Franco didn't appear uh, for a summons that was issued to talk to investigators in the Dominican Republic about these various allegations of him being involved with underaged females. Now, there's three known cases out there. Two have been reported to the authorities, and Major League Baseball basically put Franco on ice uh, while all this is being adjudicated. There's only one problem. Franco's not cooperating with the investigation. And that's not a good sign for his future, which could be done in Major League Baseball. And this is still, to me, one of the most underreported stories in all of professional sports. What is happening with this guy that was supposed to be not just the future face of the Tampa Bay Rays, but one of the future faces of Major League Baseball. I was just watching an interview with him at the All-Star Game this year as I was preparing to do this segment today. And now, here we are. Um, you know, just six months later, talking about a guy who may never play another game in Major League Baseball again with the weighty allegations that have been sent his way. But it makes me wonder, and you can't help but wonder. We talk about, you know, as much as we like to make fun of the NFL combine and the wonder lick and the rigorous questioning of future collegiate athletes, should baseball do something should baseball have some sort of vetting system? And I and, and I hate to sound, this is going to sound terrible when I say this, but understand where I'm coming from when I say it. Especially when it's guys from outside the country who you barely know anything about. With college, even the NFL goes to great lengths to find out who these guys are. But at least you have some idea. You could talk to former coaches, you could talk to former teammates, all that stuff. When it comes to, to Major League Baseball and guys coming from all over the world to play this amazing game, how much homework are Major League Baseball teams doing, Sam Yarnell, when it comes to the players that they're bringing in from overseas? And that's one of the things you're going to have to start asking yourself if you're Major League Baseball, and especially if you're a team like the Rays who put in 11 years and I think $185 million dollars into a contract for Wander Franco, made him the face of your franchise, and now he's the face of disgrace in Major League Baseball. Jason, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you, but I'll see your Wonder Lake test and rigorous questioning, and I'll raise you a Jalen Carter. I'll raise you a Josh Gordon. At the end of the day, across sports, this transcends sport, right? It happens in the NBA, too. I'll raise you a Deshaun Watson. Um, 
it, it transcends sport. It happens across sports. When talent supersedes the PR nightmare that would come of whatever uncovering there may be, organizations, sports, leagues tend to look the other way. Saw it countless times. You, you know, in the NFL, I named a few. Think of another one, Matt Ariza. Very recently, very recently gone the other way, right? That's one of the few, mm-hmm. probably handful of examples you can think of where it went the other way. It's funny. But, yeah, but I say ahead. all that to say, Wander Franco was the number one prospect in the Rays organization for just about his entire tenure in that organization. No matter if the guy, no matter what skeletons the guy had in his closet, the Rays got to a point where they realized he was going to help them win enough ball games that they didn't really care what the PR nightmare was going to be if something came out. The talent superseded it, and you saw it with the World Series performance. I, it's a problem, I agree, but it happens throughout sports. What's also amazing is how these things are handled across the different sports, though. They might occur in all sports. How they're handled, and this is another matter entirely, is also totally. something that's very interesting to me. You've still got Josh Giddy playing for the Oklahoma <laughs> City Thunder right now. As if nothing happened. As if there weren't videos and pictures and all this stuff out there with him and an underage female. Like, my head wants to explode. Yeah. And then there's the guys point. that are sort of on the edge, like an Anthony Edwards in Minnesota, who's done nothing illegal. Telling a woman to go get an abortion, saying you'll pay for her, pay her for it. It's not illegal. Might be immoral to some people, but it's not illegal. Or him driving around making Instagram videos with his friends, you know, trolling the LGBTQ plus community wherever he was driving around in Minneapolis. It's not illegal. Might be immoral. And it shows you, hey, this could be leading somewhere else. We saw it with... Uh, John Morant in, in Memphis, the problems he's had, obviously Draymond Green, the stuff on the court, all of that. But the Franco thing has got to be a cautionary tale for other teams in baseball. He played like 71 games, and then they gave him this massive contract. It's astonishing. It's a mess. It is something to consider. All right, as we continue with the program, odds and ends. Russell Wilson... And if you had to eat, and if you had to eat fast food every day for ten years, where are you doing it? We'll get to it next.
right. Final edition of Odds and Ends before we move to television on Monday, January 1st, 2024. See how many times I get the year wrong when we start doing this thing on next week for television. We'll be on Masson, that great regional sports network in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, a few weeks after that, we will be on Root Sports in Seattle. We'll be on various stations all around the country. Information will be available at sportswrap.tv. You could actually go to that link now, and there's actually something there. Uh, sportswrap.tv. Um, we're working on the website, social media, all of that great stuff. The podcast and vodcast will still be available daily uh, through wherever you get that. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever you get it, it'll still be a play, uh, available. Google Play and, and so on. But right now it's time for odds and ends. And with that, we say hello to our friend Sam Yarnell again and Sam Russell Wilson. Done in Denver, at least everybody thinks so. With the news that he is being benched, as Sean Payton says he's looking for a spark for the offense, but we know what this is all about. It's about ownership wanting to save money. It's about ownership wanting to save some pennies. And what a shocking and you know quick conclusion to the Russell Wilson era in Denver. If I'm a star player in this league, I don't know how, and look, this is a small fraternity of players. There's a small number of guys in this league. Agents talk to agents who talk to players who talk to players who talk to GMs. Why anybody, after watching the way Denver has handled this situation, why anybody would want to go play for Denver and be trusting of that organization is beyond me. Yeah, Broncos country, uh, how was that ride? I'm <laughs> genuinely curious. Uh, it, it, such a such a non-starter. Like, this issue is, uh, I, I really, I hate to say this. I know friend of the program, Nick Ferguson, is not going to like to hear this. And I've judged that based on his Twitter feed the last, ever since they made the announcement. The Denver Broncos are exactly as relevant in the scheme of the NFL as the New Orleans Saints are. They're in the exact same situation. Mm. Their relevance is exactly the same. And they're both headed directly to, towards cap hell yesterday. This is not a good situation. I don't know how it gets solved. That's kind of all I have to say on it, Jason. It's a mess. I don't know. Where, I, where are you moving them? Who's taking him? Are they going to actually cut him? That's and ninety him? million dollars in dead cap over two years. But it sounds like that's what they're going to do. It sounds like they're going to just let him loose, and somebody's going to go get him, and he can still play. He can still win you football games. I don't know if he can win you a Super Bowl. Maybe on the right roster he could. I mean, if you told me Russell Wilson was the starting quarterback of the 49ers, do I think the 49ers Dang. could win a Super Bowl? I think the answer is totally. yes. Totally. I think the answer is yes. If you made him the starting quarterback in Las Vegas, could the Las okay. Vegas Raiders win? No, you don't think so? I think he could because the offensive line is part of the problem there, and at least he can make some plays, extend some plays with his legs. I think they could win. I don't know. It's, no, you've got me. You Listen, you put Russ... That's the thing. What Russ needs is he needs an explosive back, and he needs one 
top five in the league wide receiver. How about and Atlanta? And he can make any offense great. How about Atlanta? Do you it's think Drake London's spot. that good? You think Drake London's maybe good he enough can to bring maybe jump? like Joe Flacco brought it out of David and Joku, he can bring it out of Kyle Pitts. Just just throwing it out there. Um, we'll see what happens there. All right. Mikhail Bridges of the Brooklyn Nets. Are we keeping you awake? No, 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 no. That wasn't a yawn. That was a laugh oh, because okay. I almost okay. I, I realized to myself at the in the grand scheme of things, and this is a discussion for another day, yeah. Russell Wilson isn't as good as Joe Flacco. That isn't a different discussion for a different day. All right, fast food. Mikhail Bridges, every day for the last 10 years, has eaten Chipotle, Sam Yarnell. The Brooklyn Nets veteran admitting that. If you had one fast food place you were going to eat at for 10 years, what would it be? I'm a huge Taco Bell guy. You know this, Jason. You judge me for it all the time. But if I have to go one fast food place for the rest of time, it's Taco Bell and I'm not looking back. More niche, though, and this is just for my Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina listeners. If you know, you know, we're going to cookout. Cookout is the superior fast food in the continental United States. This is a tough one for me because you brought up a good one in Taco Bell. But my ride or die? It's Wendy's. It's oh, Wendy's. Good, good choice. It's the Great double. Choice. It's the double baconator. Double baconator. No ketchup. Ride or die. It's gonna do it for us. That's it. We moved to TV on Monday. Pew pew pew. It's gonna be great. Thank you to Kurt Hillen. From my man, Sam Yarnell, I'm Jason Page. We'll see you all back here on Monday on television for the Sports Wrap.